Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, welcome to the Sentinel Stoke City podcast, Delilah. I'm Pete Smith and this week we're joined by agents of the stars, Gary Meller from Stoke and Trent based Bezix. There's only one place to start really with Gary around and that's talking about Jack Butland who has been your long-term client, hasn't he? Yes, yes. And this week he made his England return after some 15 months Yes. since his last fateful international yeah. appearance. It must have been a, a proud moment to see him back out there. I think it was just so well-deserved. I mean, he's worked so hard and obviously he's had his setbacks during that, that period of time that were none of which were at his, his doorstep. They were, you know, and... Um, when you see someone that's so dedicated to what he does, he's, he's like the, like every single one of us who dreamed of becoming a professional footballer. We know that we put the effort in, we think we want that Jack does, and, and he has done, and he was rewarded. And I think, you know, the second half, I mean, Ted made two big saves, and he shows you know, the difference between him and a lot of goalkeepers, speed across the ground, closing people down, how big he is. He's, he's, he's got to have a great chance of being England's number one for a long time to come. That's obviously his ambition, isn't yes. it? He's usually ambitious. He says he wants to win the World Cup with England. Yeah, no, I mean, there's no limit to, to the targets Jack sets himself. And I think there's nothing wrong with setting yourself high expectations. Um, and I think there's a fine line between arrogance and confidence. I think Jack's right on the, on the right side of that. You know, he's confident in his own ability and believes in himself. And you've got to have that as a goalkeeper because if you, you know, let a goal in, you've just got to forget about it and get on with the game, haven't you? Yeah. Uh, we're biased, perhaps. Uh, yeah, uh, how, how close is he to replacing Joe Hart? Do you think? Well, I, you know, I I think he was very very close when he had his injury against Germany. I think Joe had had probably not a great tournament, <laughs> um, uh, and again from biased eyes, Jack had had a phenomenal season with Stoke. I mean, phenomenal season. I kept saying to Jack, "You just keep it and exceeding my expectations." And you know, I see think of some of the Stoke games he played, and certainly the start of that season Norwich away and games like that where he just seemed to be it was like playing attack and defence he kept us in games uh, I say we because obviously I'm a Stoke fan but he, you know it was just phenomenal Just going back to that summer of 2015 when Asmir Begovic had left yes. um, and had got a, quite a lot of experience already but yeah. there were still people questioning whether he was going to be Stoke's number one even yes. and he, he, yeah. he answered all those questions Oh but, you know, and some I mean he the plan was always for Jack, and, and the discussions were always that he kept, just kept playing games and getting experience. And I know, you know, Stoke and I have had plenty of honest dialogue about the fact that I kept wanting to keep pushing him out. They obviously would prefer him in the building, but all this is out, wanted, on, out on loan. Yes, and you know, Barnsley, Leeds, Derby County. It, it was just, and and even when we first did the deal, we we we, we had a clause to send him straight back to Birmingham City to play another half a season in Championship football because. And that's why he is where he is now. Um, but it was. It must have been a really difficult twelve months for him. Oh, for, oh. Uh, from March until April this yes. year, um, there must have been points where he, he was leaning on your shoulder. Well, I think he's he's got a fantastic family. He's very um, he's very self assured. He's been away from home for a long time. Went to Birmingham City at a young age, and his, his family lives south of Bristol. Uh, but he's he's um, he's very mature of his age, as you can see when he does his interviews. He's an extremely mature individual. 
and and he's um, extremely focused. But there were low points, you know. It, it, we we were hopefully we back within months, and it turned out to be, you know, more than a calendar year, and that uh, that was bound to get him down. But he had the mental strength to come through that, as we knew he would. Uh, and he had to go back for I think it was three operations in the end, wasn't it, to yeah. clear it up and. Without getting into too much detail yeah. about it, I think, think you know, definitely two, be... or possibly a, a, a third one. Yes, but definitely two. Yeah, that must have been a real mental uh, struggle as well. Yes, I think you know the relief that when they finally got to the bottom of what the problem was, and he got that put right, and they got another opinion was um, it was just, it was a good day for everybody because then he knew he'd got a plan and knew he was going to come back because there'd been a couple of full starts, obviously. Yeah. Uh, it was a year out of his career, but he, he did come back, and he's still on the 24. Yes. Last five games of last season, yes. uh, and he's obviously got huge ambitions. Yes. Big clubs are manoeuvring already this summer. Yes. Um, how long do you think he, he, Stoke can hold on to him for? I mean, look, I think the, the situation for Jack Butler is if Jack's going to leave Stoke, it's got to be for to a, a huge club. It's got to be a club that playing the Champions League, and if that's the sort of club that comes in for Jack, I think even the football club are going to recognise that that's. That's a situation that any player would want to go and play at the highest level they possibly can. But then Jackson, no hurry. You've seen he's, he's come out quite publicly to say he's more than happy at Stoke City and he wants to win things with Stoke City. Uh, it's not something that we have to be proactive with because every time he steps onto the pitch, he just he just answers the questions like last night. But you, sometimes you look at the second half, you look at the West Ham game at home, and you look at the second half against Southampton, and you're just thinking how good can he be? Yeah. So you think that Stoke, Stoke fans can enjoy him while they've got him? I hope so. I mean, you know, I was lucky enough to, to be old enough in a way to, to go up in the booth then behind Gordon Banks, and I didn't think I'd ever see a player like that playing golf at Stoke City again. I think, and I think we have. I've, I've placed him that highly. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Stoke have got a, a great tradition, haven't they? Of yeah, goalkeepers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but to, to put him on a pedestal with, with Banksy? No, oh, I think he, I think he can be, and I think he is. He's special. We thought he's been. We thought he was special since he was seventeen, to be honest. But then, as you said earlier, I am maybe a little bit biased. <laughs> well, I was going to bring you on to the next point anyway, and that perhaps that, that leads us on to it. If Jordan Pickford's going for thirty million to Everton, what what price tag will be on Jack? I think what you have to do, you have to put these 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 deals into perspective. You know, we're doing one at the moment that will come out as a fairly large number, but so much of that is guaranteed, and then there'll be a lot of a lot of that will be add-ons. So it won't be 30 million guaranteed. Sunderland will make it, want it to look good because they've sold one of their biggest assets. And I'm sure they've got a, a very nice number. But there'll be a lot of things that, that, that Jordan Pickford will have to do for them to ever receive that sum of money. So it's when people read 30 million, it's not 30 million. It's not 30 million it's, going straight into the bank. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, I, I think it'll probably be, you know, maybe less than two thirds of that. And then the other's going to be on games, appearances, playing for England, Everton getting the Champions League or winning the Champions League or, you know, th- those sorts of things to always take part in, in a, of a deal. And you always, like the Jack deal to Stoke was, you know, the initial price was phenomenal and but there are always things like if he goes to play for England, if he, if he do this, etc, etc. So you, the deals are broken down in many different ways and that, that won't be a 30 million cash deal straight into someone's back pocket. And clubs like to talk about how much they got for a play, but then the, the fans start to go, why aren't you spending it then? So they, they do create a bit of a problem for themselves when they, when they talk up the numbers. I, I think you've, you've managed to definitely avoid the question there. How <laughs> <laughs> I, I can you put a price on Jack? I, I, I couldn't, you know. He, he's, he's, 
He's certainly worth more money than Jordan Pickford. We couldn't argue that. Yeah, uh, but like you're saying, the clubs who would be coming in for him, if anybody did, would be the kind of clubs who, who would have that kind of money. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we've pushed you far enough on, on Jack. Uh, you've been saying already you had a busy summer. Can you yes. can you talk us through what the um, what, what the job of an agent is these days? I think it's um, you know we manage you know over a, a hundred players, and at the end of the day, each one of those is important to us as a Jack Butland is or as a Jay Rodriguez is. And I think you 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 know we've gone through a lot of um, lot of players out of contract. You know, Jamie Nestor was at Stoke, and then he went on loan to Cruz out of contract to. to um, Scunthorpe United so I know that John Hassler works with me has been to five different clubs and you know there's been interest in crew and you go around and you find out what's best for him and his family but we've got a lot of those and they're the ones that in a way are your priority because they have families they've got mortgages to pay the kids go to schools and if you know if you were to move from Scunthorpe United back to Scotland or move down to the southwest or the southeast there's a lot to be done so those are the ones that keep you awake at night a little bit because you, you, you feel like you owe a duty to the whole family. So that's that's the biggest part of the job, the, the part that goes unrecognised. Then you've got the younger players like Tom Edwards, you know, who'd be coming up to first professional deal and Jake Dunwoody and players like that that we look after locally. They, they're also making big decisions. You know, they're having breakthrough years and, you know, and they've had a good season. Tom's gone to England in the 19s now, got the semi-final Youth Cup. So... There's so many different parts to, to the job that people would never recognise. The, the ones at the top end, of the, like doing the Jeff Cameron's new deal, is, is you know that takes up so much time because you can imagine, you know, Jeff's just had a man of the match performance playing in Mexico for the US, he played really well against Trinidad. A lot of interest from back home. He's been here for five years. It would have been a good time to go back. It would have been a really big financial move for him to go home and he is away from his home, his family, his friends and he leads a very uh, professional lifestyle and that was a big decision so that takes up a lot of time just go away pros and cons he got less than a year from being a free transfer Yeah, it's funny that, talking about Jeff Cameron because a lot of people would have just seen how Jeff Cameron is part of the furniture at Stoke yeah. he's agreed a new deal, that's all done and dusted they won't give me much thoughts but Oh, sounds like there was more to it. <laughs> it's taken probably you know, the best part of 12 months to get to that position. And not because, at the end of the day, he does love playing for the football club. But I do think there was a big change in the way the fans perceived Jeff when he was out missing. I think they realised what they were missing. Because uh, I think he's one of those that goes, is a bit undervalued. And again, that's me being biased. But I think Mark Hughes came out quite public to say what they were missing. And when he came back, people saw the difference. And... He suddenly got a couple of man of match awards at Stoke for home games, which he's not had before. And I think that's a, that's, that's a big thing. And so I think whatever you think about players, they want to be loved, don't they? You know, they want to feel like they, they, people want them there. And I think Jeff probably felt there was a, a, some fans that probably didn't. And was probably thinking, I need to look at options. And I think when he came back in and the fans rewarded him with those man of match performances and he got a lot of good, a lot of praise particularly for the manager, I think it made his, his decision a lot easier. He's come back in, in central midfield, hasn't he? Yes, yes, which is where we, you know, I mean, we recommended him to the football club, to Tony Pulis, and, you know, and midfield was where we saw him as a, as a, through our eyes, and he came in and had a man of the match first game against Arsenal in central midfield, then got moved to right back, so we were a bit confused about that, but eventually he's got it to... It was a good right back, to be fair. 
Yeah, he's definitely been his position. So he was, he was playing out of position, but doing his best for the team. I think his best position is at centre-half for the national team, centre midfield, you know, in the Premier League. I think he shows when they play the big teams, his athleticism comes into its own. Uh, yeah, and he had uh, trouble with injuries, didn't he, last year? He did. Almost for the first time in his career. Yeah, it was, and it was it was something quite niggly that just couldn't get solved, and it went on far longer than we thought it would, uh, and that was uh, that got him down, because then all of a sudden the fact you're living on your own, miles from home, it was it was tough. Mm. Do agents come to play a part in that? Do you have a, d- a different role if somebody? Yeah, you do. You try and you try and keep them. You know, the spirits high. You know, you've got to. Um, you know, You've got to. You spend a big part of the job as managing expectations for players, but when they're out, you've got to always build them up, and make them realise that you know when they come back, they're going to play a big part. They've still got a long way to go. Do you think he will return to the MLS at some point in his career? I think he will, undoubtedly. Yes, I think you know. I think he want to go back to that, but I think he's he's unlike English footballers. If you're a Glenn Wheeler or you're Charlie Adam, you've been playing football since age sixteen so many times. In America, they're almost overprotective in terms of the amount of football they play. Jeff didn't start playing professional football until he was 24, whereas your Glenn Wheelers and Charlie Adams have had eight years intensive football by then. He hasn't had that. That's why at his age he plays like a, someone in his mid-20s. He hasn't got the miles in his legs. No, hasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do, do you think any other Stoke players will move over to the MLS? Uh, listen, there's been interest. You know, there's been interest in players at Stoke because obviously I have the calls because I do a lot of work over there. And I think there are players that could do very well out there. And I think it is a league that is um, that is getting bigger and bigger. Uh, and what will happen is that as the, the more and more clubs go into the league, the, the, the domestic talent pool is going to get thinner. So they, they'll keep looking at more and more overseas slots to keep the quality or keep raising the quality of the league. So yeah, I look at someone like a John Walters, who I don't represent, but I look at him the way he carries on running, the way he works hard, the way he almost bullies people. I think he would have phenomenal chance in Major League Soccer. You still uh, deal with Orlando, don't you? Yes, I do. You, are there going to be any movements, do you think, between Stoke and Orlando? I think, I think that, um, that's a, a, a relationship that's really predominantly about sharing information. So the Orlando City are based in North America, so they are, are you know, I know that the, 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 their head of recruitment technical director is down in Brazil at the moment, for instance, and, you know, and when they're looking at a player over here, Stoke will have scout information. So Stoke have built successfully over the last four and a half years um, since Mark Cartwright built up a scouting team. They built up a database of information, which is what the job was about really, that they didn't really have before, that only probably the top teams had. And I know that the Tony Scholes and Coates family look very closely at wanting that database to know when people come out of contract, what they might be on, where they might go, who was available, by position, your scouting teams and the players could be watched six, seven, eight times and, and marked by different sets of eyes. And I think that that's something that the, the fans never see. And Stoke have a phenomenal database now that's been built up over a number of years. And I think that, um, you know, you look at some of the signings that were made last summer, for instance, like, um, you know, look at uh, Bruno Martins Indy. Of course, he would have been watched on a number of occasions. You see someone like, like Joe Allen, you know, he's going to be watched so many times. And it, but he would be known to everybody because he's played the Euros, but still going to be watching, obviously, for a number of years. And, you know, Lee Grant surprised everybody, I think. 
and, and maybe even himself <laughs> but to go from third chief keeper at Derby to become player of the season at Stoke uh, that was a fantastic story and I don't think they could get enough credit for the fact that they, they brought him in the success as, as well as the, the high profile failures perhaps yes, and I think you know sometimes players get uh, sometimes players not every player is going to work culturally you know the Premier League is a difficult league you look at I give the greatest praise to, to a club like Southampton who bring players with Celtic like Wan Yama and Van Dijk who play in the Scottish Premier League because if you go and watch it you see Celtic killing someone every week you wouldn't want to recommend a player to Premier League because when they're playing in the intensity every week and I know people will talk about Mbula forever his first five games he was phenomenal never gave the ball away he looked like he got the, absolutely everyone was raving about him thinking he was the best signing ever and the new Stephen and Zonzi and then the, I think just the, the pace of the game and the fact that it's relentless and there's, you don't get any time on the ball. You could see Mbola going to Italy or Spain and being an absolute superstar because he gets more time on the ball, it's a slower pace, and that'll probably suit him. The Premier League doesn't suit everybody. There's mm. been some very you know, high-profile failures. So is the database being, being tweaked? Do you add different things to it? No, I mean, look, I have nothing to do with that. I just, you know, it's easier for me when they didn't tap on it. I could recommend people like Jeff Cameron. <laughs> and, uh, so... You know what what Stoke have put into place takes a lot of, away from me in terms of recommending players and what we and building up things. Because it's got of mouth. Yeah, it's like it's more it's more scientific. You know, they have a, a big scouting team now, not as big as probably the big obviously the big clubs. I mean, I think I was talking. I think Manchester United got two chief scouts and fifty five full time scouts. Really, you know, that's a phenomenal. Put that into perspective, I've still got any idea. I'd be guessing, but I'm, I'm going to say full-time scouts in the first team, maybe six, you know, and and then the head of recruitment's Mark Cartwright, yeah. you've got the, the Kevin Crookshanks, the Lee Mabrys, you know, the, those, those people. So um, it, it's, 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 but, you know, United's income stream is phenomenal, but a club like Everton have got a huge scouting department. I know you don't represent Stoke, you don't work for yeah. Stoke, but perhaps you can give us some insight. Will, will Mark Hughes go to Mark Cartwright and say, we need this right-winger who's rapid, have a look in your database and yes. watch some Yes, and then Mark Hughes will watch them. You know, the one thing I know about Mark Hughes, he spends a lot of time watching players, he spends a lot of time watching games. Um, he will send his scouted team out watching, I mean, Kevin Cruikshank worked for him at Queen's Park Rangers, so he's worked with him before. And he'll, he'll use them, and then what he'll do is he'll go and have a final look for himself. Someone like Mbul, there's probably someone that he saw in the tournament when he played for Porto and looks at him and thinks, oh, I like him, and then they'll look at the, what they've got and they'll make a decision. Yeah. But I don't, you, you, they're never going to get everything right because it's impossible. You probably have to touch on it a little bit there. But what are the best parts of the job and what are the worst parts of your job at the moment? I guess it's changing all the time. Uh, look, the good parts of the job are. You know, Jack last night. I mean, I, you know, Jeff Cameron getting another match in Mexico in a huge World Cup qualifier. The worst parts of the job: Jay Rodriguez getting his cruciate injury when he's the top English goal scorer in the Premier League and about to go to the World Cup. And then, you know, again coming back, virtually being there, then getting infection in his knee and the setbacks. So, and you know, and we've had players like Lewis Neal who got released and then was eight months out of a job, and and, and he's got young children and you, you just can't stop every day and eventually we took him to America and then he ends up playing for DC United and, the, and their cup fans score the winning goal and yeah. that's a great story it's yeah. worth all the money in the world that is so it's and the young players sometimes you know I, 
you look at some of the young players and sometimes they don't get through and it's not necessarily their fault because it's difficult to get people to give young people a chance. And it can be fine lines as well. An injury to someone can open a, open a window, open a door. Look at Andy Wilkinson. We, we, we had Andy from, you know, 17. We, he went to Telford. He turned to Scotland for six months. I don't think he was particularly keen on at the time. You know, he went... <laughs> well, he, he did went, score there. Yeah, he did. Blackpool. <laughs> you know, he's gone to all these places. Really, really worked hard every day. And, you know, we were literally, probably, minutes away of taking him to Blackpool when he played that Manchester United game and ironically did well against Ronaldo and the club decided to sell him. So this is when Stoker in the Premier League, first yeah. year in the Premier League, yeah. and Wilkinson, he went on to play 100 games yeah. in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, you know, he was literally, we had a deal agreed with Blackpool and he, and he was going to go and play, you know, and then he, was, he didn't want to leave because this is his club, this is his city, he's a Stoke fan. And then that's a fantastic story because he just spun it around. He must have been a dream client, oh, Wilco. Yeah, he's fantastic. Great lad. I'm pleased to see he's now working down at the academy and you know working on youngsters and helping them and someone like Tom Edwards obviously again a bit biased but what a great role model I've actually spoken to Wilco about Tom Edwards because yeah. he, he reckons he's in the same kind of mould although Tom Edwards has got a goal in him as well yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you see for, for his future? look I think for him it's got to be about the right loan moves I think that you know it's, it's, it's getting someone to take that chance to give him some first team football because but I can say this as an independent observer, under 23 football doesn't take you anywhere in my view. I'm not sure how we get that right. I don't know, we can go back to the old reserve teams who used to play on Saturday afternoon and that they used to have because in those days you only had one substitute. Yeah. Now you take seven away all the time, you need seven subs, you need people in case one of those falls down. It's, it's, I, I don't think anyone's got the answer to that. And, uh, and I think that um, him going and playing some football in League 1 or League 2 would be, would be fantastic. In that respect, I know some Stoke fans have been a bit surprised that, that Stoke they could have kept on Gwen Johnson and Phil Barton. Yes. But if they didn't, would that mean that Edwards was hanging around, kicking his heels? I think that that, that plays a part. You know, if, if they didn't keep those two or, or have two full-backs, then Tom would probably have to stay around. And what, what are his opportunities? You know, I think for him, if he could go and play like Andy did at Blackpool or, or you know, go and play some games and... and you know, sample um, first team football for points in front of a crowd because until you do that, it's it's you, know, it's you never quite know, do you? Sometimes we forget that Stoke are a, a, a top 10 Premier League team, 13th last year, but yeah. we'll forget that. Yeah. Um, it is hard for a young player to break into that team, it is, and that's you know, and nobody would be prouder than me if we had local people breaking through and playing for the first team because we'd all want that, wouldn't we? Do you see it happening? Do you see them getting closer? I think there's, you know, I look at players like Tom Edwards, I look like players like Danny Jarvis, I think we've got a great chance. But they'll need a bit of luck. We're going to go about as far afield away from uh, Tom Edwards yeah. <laughs> as it's imaginable uh, now. I, I know um, we spoke a little bit off air about uh, Stoke's interest in, in the Ukrainian winger, uh, Andrei Yarmolenko. Yes. I think Gary had quite a bit to do with that deal. Yeah. The deal that never happened in the end, but yes. it, it, it's a hell of a story. Yes, I think, um, you know, I first, Yamalenko, for whatever reason, reached out to us, and we were against some pretty big competition, uh, including Pogba's infamous agent and a few others, so uh, lads from Hanley going out to Kiev and trying to get a mandate off <laughs> Andros Yamalenko was pretty, but we'd seen him, 
play for ironically Ukraine against USA and he just looked like he got everything you know he looked a phenomenal player and of course everybody knows him but when you see him live he looks special and um, the first time I went out I, you know it was uh, obviously Ukraine were at war with Russia really and the plane had been shot down and I was on an empty British Airways plane from, from Heathrow to Kiev and actually I think it was the first time I did the loan deal to Leeds for Jack Butland as I was about to get on the plane and I remember getting on feeling really happy and then sitting on the plane and seeing there was hardly anybody on it thinking, are oh, you making a, a big mistake here? Uh, I managed to get back so and my wife has probably never forgiven me but I bet with him. I was lucky enough that he, he, he liked me. Uh, he gave us a mandate. And then it was easy then to say to Stoke, oh, what about Yamalenko? Truth be told, when I first sat down with him, probably his, his ambitions were more Manchester United, Liverpool than Stoke City, or even the Tottenham Hotspur. But we started to talk about the football club. I went back, saw him again, talked about Stoke City. He started to get an interest. Stoke made a good bid for him, a bid that should have triggered his exit, without going into too many details. But I think the owner of the club was um, thought that for Dynamo Kiev to sell their best player to a club like Stoke City would have been embarrassing for them on the world stage. And that they were going to sell him, it was only going to be Chelsea or Manchester City. And um, life in Ukraine is a lot differently to us than, you know, than, than Stoke. So uh, when Stephen ends on to leave Stoke City, you can leave him and he's, he's quiet. He, he doesn't get a lot of, lot of issues, but leaving Ukraine when they don't want you to and you've got your family there and you're from there was a different kettle of fish and I think that didn't work for those reasons. It must have been, everything must have been difficult from the language barrier to, to the war. Yeah, and, he, and he, you know, he was, he, he 100% was, uh, thought, I just don't really interest you. You're convinced he would have been a big hit in, in oh, the Premier I think I'd love to have seen him run around a red and white shirt. I think he's, you know, it's, um, I think he'd be a hit in the Premier League. Are Stoke's ambition still at those heights, do you think, to, to get to top I think the Stoke are an ambitious football club. I think you've seen by the chairman's comments that he's probably, you know, would have liked better last season. I think they've got in John Coates and Peter Coates, Tony Scholes. I think there's a, there's a team working hard to make sure that Stoke are going in the other direction, that they want to push on from ninth and you could throw... You know, a blanket over probably 8th to 16th and I think there's a number of clubs in there that think oh, we can do this and hopefully you know, the, the hard work that's going on right now to bring in new players will bear fruit and, and we'll get players that will take us further Back into the top 10 and, and up, up yeah, yeah. notch I think that you know, I think everybody would like to do the Europa Cup again wouldn't they? It's a good time isn't it? Well going to Valencia and seeing However many thousands of fans and looking around that stadium and seeing red and white shirts, scarves everywhere, Stoke fans all over the stadium, <laughs> phenomenal side. And I know um, I went with uh, Martin Spinks to cover Stoke at Hashbrook Split and there was a, a firework or a banger that went off in the second half mm-hmm. and uh, we grabbed each other and, <laughs> and Nada Johnson was in a, um, I think he was attached to the roof on his gantry yes. <laughs> and he, he was white at full time. Uh, Pulis said he'd hung on to Dave Kemp but yeah it was a great experience we'd love to do that again uh, um, just staying in Europe what do you what do you make of, um, of Brexit and how that might impact football uh, look I, I'm probably what, in the minority of the city stock on I'm not a big fan of, of Brexit I think it's um, I think the world's a small place I think it's it's. I don't see it being healthy for, for, for anybody 
But what we do have is, and, and let me just say, it's been good for us as a business because we do a lot of work in America and obviously the pound has absolutely crashed to the floor. So we're getting more money than we should have been getting if, we, if we'd have remained. Right. So from a financial point of view, it's been good for us. They didn't what, put that on the side of a bus, did they? No, but what I, do, what I would say is that, you know, what's good for us isn't necessarily good for the country, but I think the Premier League's big enough and strong enough to, to, to find a way that that won't impact on the Premier League, I'm sure. Obviously... I think a lot of players will now insist on probably being paid in euros, so they can guarantee. Premier League players. Yeah, yeah. Really? Pretty sure more and more contracts now will be they'll insist on being paid in euros or having their contract guaranteed in euros because the fact the pound is, you know, um, it's tokens. It is, and yeah. you know, the, the only independent economic indicator of whether of where we are is is the, the currency market, and the currency market says we're in a mess, and we're not as strong as we were. Uh, and that seems to be conveniently ignored by a lot of political commentators. But you look at, you know, pound against the dollar, and you see wages against the euro. I think more and more players are going to want the, the money guaranteed because we're in for a turbulent ride. Mm. To bring you back onto football before we finish, the fixtures came out uh, on Wednesday, and Stoke have got a tough start, haven't they? Uh, you couldn't have picked a worse than six fixtures, really, could you? It was just, you know, the first three home games are all tough. And then to go to uh, Everton, who, who has shown remarkable ambition and, you know, finished the season probably as the form team in the division, that, that could be a, t- a tougher start. Um, Arsenal, obviously, recently gave us a, a good hiding because we didn't have a very good day, but traditionally we've always done well against them. You'd hope that we do well and the crowd will be in it and it'll, it'll, it'll be, we'll revert to type. And then to go to Newcastle United away when they've just come up that's horrendous West Brom away under Tony Pulis We've different kettle of fish yeah. <laughs> and then you know United and Chelsea at home it's easy really isn't it? <laughs> it's, um, it's I feel sorry for the management team because it doesn't seem like a fair I look I'll, you know you look at someone like West Brom's fixtures and they got Bournemouth at home and then they go to Burnley away and then they got Stoke at home and it's like yeah. can't catch a break on the flip side, I guess any win would be a great win. Well, traditionally, sorry, other than last season, we've always done well against the big teams, haven't we? We've yeah. always given them a game. And then we gave Chelsea a great game at home this season. We gave Manchester United a great game. So we don't want to be too uh, pessimistic. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic about the better season than last season. I think that a lot of lessons will have been learned. But I'm speaking as a fan rather than someone that's inside the football club. Um, you know, I think it's... Um, something that uh, the ambitions are I want to see Stoke get to a cup final again I want to see them to get into Europe again and I think it's within their within their grasp well let's keep your fingers crossed uh, thanks very much to Gary for, for joining us he's taken time out of his busy transfer window to spend time with us today no problem at all. cheers cheers